Welcome to The Lens. The Lens is a business in the community podcast in partnership with One Young World. Well, COP26 is taking place right now. It's the biggest global climate change summit. In this special one-off episode of The Lens, I'm handing the reins over to one of the UK's young climate ambassadors, Ema Rafferty. She's asking the challenging questions of Business in the Community CEO Amanda McKenzie. What are businesses already doing to tackle the climate crisis? What more do they need to do? Why 2050? And so much more. In return, Amanda asks Emer about her optimism or ambition for the future, what she's hoping to see for herself at COP, and what the Prime Minister said when Emer met him recently. Welcome to The Lens, Emer and Amanda. So, Amanda, what good things do you see businesses in Northern Ireland or in the UK doing? And would you like to shine a spotlight on any businesses in particular? Um, well, I would say probably any any business that's committed to get to net zero by 2030 mm-hmm. knows that's not going to be an easy journey. And I think a lot of people have made a commitment at this point that they don't necessarily know how they're going to get there, but they're determined to get there. So I don't think they're um, just sort of empty promises. Uh, so I think they're to be applauded for starting. I think the other clear thing that, that a lot of businesses are really doing at the moment is... Um, TCFD reporting and science-based targets. I think unless you've got those, you don't know where you're starting from. It could be just greenwashing. I think any business that is seriously tackling that, any business that has said, you know, scope three, I can't just do my bit. I have to think about the whole piece here. That, that again, is good. Um, in terms of specific, specific examples, um, we are taking to COP um, 26 stories of um, I think remarkable some remarkable things that businesses are doing and have done because I think I I don't know about you but a lot of sort of bold brave talk is one thing but people going you know what this was a really tough challenge and we've done it and we made mistakes on the way and it wasn't easy and in fact it was blooming hard but actually we achieved blah I that gets me far more excited than a lot of lofty words so I'll give you one which I particularly love, Anglian Water, they got together with Greencoat Capital and Oast House Ventures, um, but they built two enormous greenhouses that were then heated by the, the heat that came off the process of cleaning their water. So it was energy that they had to use to produce clean water. Mm-hmm. It would have otherwise been wasted. It now heats these greenhouses. These greenhouses are 70 acres, I think I'm right in saying big. They're enormous. And they now produce 12% of the country's tomatoes and employ 360 people. Brilliant. You go, you've thought about the, you've thought about the community that you're serving, you've thought about the supply chain, you've thought about exactly what's happening with your kind of ecosystem, and you've done something quite tremendous. I mean, for me, that kind of ticks so many boxes. So we've I can't say all 26 are quite as phenomenal as that. Um, but um Sky, did you see Sky last week? Did you see their announcement of their glass? No, I, did, I didn't see Sky. Glass. So they've produced the first television that is certified as carbon neutral. You don't need the disc and you don't need the box anymore. It's all in the telly. Okay, um, right. Brilliant. It's, again, it's one of those things about where's the consumer need? What could be really interesting? Um, 
And it's the only TV that comes with with recycled packaging free from single use plastic. They've again thought about every aspect of it and said, how can we do this? And I'm what I applaud in all of that is it, people are being really forensic. So when they go after it, they're bringing the really best analytical forensic brains of business to bear on solving the problem. Um, and then importantly, sharing that, because if they don't share it, then no one else can learn and move fast as well. Um, anyway, that, that's a couple to be going on with. Sorry, that's a very long answer. But there's no, 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 it's perfect. And, yeah, and I think any of those businesses that are leading the way, they've all started from the same spot and all used the same process. And I always talk about the three Ps, which is your policy, your, pra- your practice and your pledge. So the pledge do this, the put in the policy and then the put in the practice. And you can see the businesses that have used those steps and have made the things happen by saying we're going to do it, when we're going to do it by, and then actually doing it. Because I think that's the difference between different businesses is that the greenwashing, as you say, there is massive greenwashing that goes on. And it's hard to know which businesses are telling the truth, but it's whenever you hear these good stories and you know that it's truthful and you know that this is good stuff's happening, that is what inspires young people to keep going because obviously it can be hard to think well what actually good is going on here but that's it's so important for businesses to take these steps not only for the environment but also for hope because mm-hmm. as Greta Thunberg said action is hope hope is action that kind of leads on to the 2030 target that you said some businesses have the UK government's target is net zero by 2050 now by that time I'll be well on the way to 50 years old so do you think are we going fast enough on why, why, what is holding us back? Why can't we go faster? If you're a BP, for instance, BP have absolutely committed to um, get to net zero. But inevitably, if BP shut today, the lights would go out. We haven't got no. enough renewables yet. I suspect what's happening, and I'm not an expert here, is that people are probably being a little bit conservative with a small c around how we make that transition to net zero across all markets. Suddenly, if we think about our big markets of obviously energy and transport and house building, an awful lot of things are going to have to change between now and then. And uh, an awful lot of finances are going to have to be found. And I think honestly, people are still working out almost like the economics of it. So the notion that we could suddenly change every boiler across the United Kingdom for either a hydrogen one or a a, um, uh, um, air source it's just the physical making of those and then how do you dismantle the existing ones where are you going to take them how you know are we going to shove them all in landfill and that feels awful so actually creating use the parts that we're no longer needing as much as it is building the new equipment that we need I just think it's probably realistic I would hope that somehow they might have declared 2050 but I have a notional target in their minds of 2040 and I'm making that up but almost because at this moment it strikes me is that we're still inventing if you like a lot of the technology that can be then scaled I think there are too many unknowns which is I suspect why they've put it out to that and hopefully that's realistic albeit necessary and ideally much sooner than that versus something that is just pie in the sky. Yeah so it's mainly down to the technology and the finance maybe of, of 
doing it as well are those probably the two being main reasons why it's a target that's 30 years away like would it take 30 years for for the technology to get to that stage i i think so across the whole spectrum of the the, our carbon usage if you like yeah to get onto the scale of it the technology might be there but just scaling it up could that's what takes the time but then you've also got the whole issue around what are we going to do with waste batteries we don't want piles and piles of discarded batteries so i think the kind of the whole the whole ecosystem of how this works is probably what's driving people to be a little more cautious that's a brilliant answer it's a straight answer and it says like this is why we have this target because a lot of people see this target and think that is so far away but whenever you hear a proper answer of well why why would it take that long um it makes it it gives people a better understanding of it um Brilliant. Okay, so Amanda, I'll just move on to the next question. What would you say the biggest challenges or barriers are for small businesses to take steps to go to be more environmentally friendly? And is there any way we could maybe support them or inspire them to take um, to get on this journey with us? Uh, for certain, and I would say it. it I think in many ways it's much harder because. The, the way they structure their finances is different. They're not necessarily making long-term investments the way bigger companies can do. So they don't have a great big capital expenditure budget necessarily. Um, and I think their the whole, the kind of the, just the balance of the business is a lot more fragile. Um, I think if you're a family business, a small family business, then possibly you can take longer term decisions because you're making decisions that your children or your family might inherit. And so I think that's why I always quite like family businesses, because I I think they genuinely do play that long term game because they can. If you're a small business that is even just to employ one apprentice on top of your workforce is quite a struggle. um, Then, you know, someone coming to you and saying, right, change all your light bulbs, which is kind of the number one thing, the simplest thing you can do. So you've got LED light bulbs just out the outlay for changing all your light bulbs is quite a lot of money. So. I think that the basics of that are are quite tough, but clearly there are simple things they can do. And importantly, I think inherent in their supply chain, let alone a bigger supply chain, people are getting much more, are innovating a lot more. So actually the the packaging that they're sent, our local farm that that produces eggs, his egg box is made from recycled ones, and then he collects all the old ones and all of that. They're all sort of small bits of an ecosystem that they're pulling together. I think the other aspect of this is, and this is where we can all help them, is ultimately a small business is the end of a a very big supply chain for all big companies. And I think there is an obligation of a large company to require of the people that they work with that they are thinking about this stuff and help them get there. If you were a business person of 150 years ago, you would have thought about the people that supplied you because you know that if they supply you well, that whole relationship will work well over the years. With the advent of globalization, it became much easier to, everything was cheaper, everything was sourced without thinking about that. And I think everyone's fortunately going back a bit to do that. So they really understand the roots of everything they're buying and also have a, a almost a duty of care of those companies right at the start of that supply chain. I've worked in three or four small businesses and you can see that it's not on their agenda at all. The, on the agenda at the minute, obviously, was COVID. Um, on the agenda was the daily running. 
getting I was it was all restaurants, so the agenda was getting the food out and keeping customers happy. Um it wasn't really about anything else. So um you can definitely understand why there would be his concern, but um that's why it's up to it's up to other organizations to help them and support them um make better choices. So um like takeaway boxes, all that sort of stuff. It's as you say, it's easy to get those sort those um resources it's cheap to get them so it it, it it's a more economical uh, route for small businesses but um it's important that we can help them to transition into something better so that's brilliant Rhonda thank you so much really gives you a better perspective of the business route in climate so uh thank you that's brilliant a pleasure and and best of all now I get to talk to you about <laughs> So what I'm interested in is you're looking, well, one, you're going to COP, you're having the bird's eye view of this whole subject and and calling out the issues where they're being called out and good for you. And then there you are, on the other hand, having kind of grassroots working in restaurants um, to to really see, well, actually, we, we have so far to travel to even get after 2030, 2040, 2050, whatever it is. So I'm interested in how you're looking at that now. I can understand why people wouldn't get it, wouldn't get what I understand, what you understand, because education was massive. Um, like there is a lack of environmental education stuff. And if you don't kind of have that kind of will to go in and look at this, then you're never going to really understand it. And that's why there's a whole world of people who just live their daily lives and kind of aren't conscious of what's going on around them, what is happening to our environment. So I understand that there is two different perspectives. I still like to do what young people like to do, um, but you still have that burden on your shoulders that some other young people don't have. And many young people do feel the same way that I do and are worried for the futures because we see it in a different way than the older generation sees it. I mean, the older generation, anytime I talk to them, it's about they're scared for their children and their grandchildren, which is a valid point. And then for us, it's the same grandchildren and children, but it's also for ourselves and, you know, we're going to actually live in it. There is two different kind of perspectives, but at the end of the day, I still have the one goal, no matter what perspective I'm looking at it from. Um, But I do believe the more I talk to people, the more I understand it. It is individual choices make a difference, but it is the big corporations, the politicians, the political change that is really needed. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. What's the one message you want to give the politicians next week and similarly the business people? I think that the main message I want is honesty and integrity. You know, Mm -hmm. the most frustrating thing is whenever there's all this lovely talk about what we need to do, what we should do, what we will do, but it's never what we are doing and that's frustrating. So that's one thing that I would put the message out, be honest, be truthful. The message is always about taking action. After COP, what is going to happen? Um, It's all words. At COP26, only speeches, going to be um, conversations, which is all very important, but it's the action that really gets the job done. So that would be my message to the politicians. And um, I think it's important for politicians to realise that the future of them in politics relies on the value and the emphasis they place on the future of the planet. 
the young people that are coming up, we want to work for businesses that are environmentally cautious. Um, like I would feel excited going to work for these companies that you were mentioning, because I know I'm going to a place that cares about more things other than profit. And sure, why wouldn't you want to work for a company that does that? Yes, indeed. And how do you think we can hold the talk to account? Is it a report back every year when someone goes, I've failed on this, I've succeeded on that? Because it's it's not often, is it, people are literally held to account? No, exactly. And uh, that was a question that I actually brought to business communities last event uh, to businesses. What are the consequences if we don't meet this target? Every five years, they look at what where we are, what where every country is. And so this is the five years on from the Paris Agreement. So this is a big year. Um, COP26 is massive compared to Paris Agreement because the Paris Agreement was what are we going to do, why are we going to do it? And COP26 is how are we going to do it? So it is more challenging. It's so important that after these words are said, we need to hold these people to account and make sure that what they said does take place. Um, they said that by 2020, the UK, for example, we're going to mobilise 100 billion worth of finance for underdeveloped countries. They didn't reach the target. It's been pushed back, I've read, to 2023. And that's concerning. Every time we don't meet the target, is it, is it just going to be pushed back again? And then if we don't meet that, pushed back again. And then nobody's held to account because if we say, we're, if we keep pushing it back and back and back, it's not going to fix the problem. If we don't meet this, who is held responsible? What are the consequences and what's going to happen if we don't meet it? Regular checks. I think that's really important. Using the science to see where are we from where we said we would be, or are we at the pace we should be? So using science and um, yearly checkups to say have we met this target or not? We need to think that way because it's so urgent. It is an emergency. It was declared that code red for humanity. So if people aren't delivering, we need to think about well, who is going to deliver. Yeah, so true. And so with all of that in mind, I mean, do you think that this is so important? It, it almost shouldn't sit in politics. I'm going to ask you about the prime minister in a moment, but it feels like a run up to this because it feels like by 2050, we'll have had how many different governments? Every four years, there'll be an election. And you go, is this just too important to be part of a political cycle? Yeah, um, that's a actually a brilliant question. And politics it's about votes all the same. Like people, the, the politicians, they want to stay in their position. So they'll do whatever it's there. They'll say whatever they have to say to keep their position. And of course, it's you need to pass laws and you pass regulations and stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the people and the organisations and the businesses that are making things happen now. It's those people that should really be getting the emphasis and the value placing them because they know the importance of this and they're making things happen politics it's it's a toxic thing and I consider getting into that sort of area of the world and then maybe someday but at the minute it's just not a nice environment I feel and it politicians say what they have to say and so you can't really have that in this emergency. It's something that we should maybe think about. Should politicians be given such a big role in this? Because it's environmentalists and it's scientists and it's those people that really should be in charge. If you're not those things, it's very hard to um, 
trust what you're saying or to agree with what you're saying because you mightn't fully believe it yourself. You may be saying these things because you have that job. You're not saying them because you have a passion for it or you have um, a true concern for it. It shouldn't be those things. It should be out of choice and not out of your job. Yeah, I guess you'd have to find a way to de-link it from the Treasury as well and have some guaranteed funding. Because otherwise, you'd always be struggling for the funds to achieve what's necessary. So I guess you'd have to have some sort of fund that was untouchable. But anyway, let's not yeah. let's not revamp politics right now. Let's get through next week. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, we're so fortunate that you are one of the UK's um, uh, young climate ambassadors. Goodness me, we're lucky. Um, so when you, it was a big meeting yesterday. Um, t- tell us about it and tell us what you want, what the commitment you want from the or you wanted from the prime minister. It was nice to get the invitation. It was part of my one step greener COP26 uh, ambassador role. So all the ambassadors were there, which is really nice. Um, these individuals taking amazing action. Boris came in, he um, he was asking how I am and he asked would I be a cop. And he says I will be a cop. I would have liked to get into a better conversation with him, to be honest, but it felt like he didn't really have, he didn't have much time. He gave a speech. He said COP26 isn't going to solve the climate change. And then next thing they were saying COP26 is the decisive moment. So it was quite, which one is it? Is it, are you going to really believe in COP26 or are you not going to really believe in it? He said that to solve climate change, we need to focus on coal, cars, cash and trees. So I felt like that kind of underestimated it because there's so many other aspects of the sources of um, greenhouse emissions, agriculture, etc. Hopefully, I hope he meant in terms of coal, he was kind of categorising coal in terms of Gas, oil, fossil fuel in general, Uh, cars, hopefully he meant transport in general, trees, the nature aspect of it. So hopefully that's what he meant, I'd say. So um, I'm sure I'm going to hope it was too. Yeah. (laughs) He loves loves a bit of alliteration, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) And he he said that uh, where we are now is kind of like a James Bond film where they have this bomb and... We're trying to pick the right wires from it and that you can't do it on your own. You need, uh, you have to work together, which is good to hear him say that. And we need to fix it together before it blows. So it was good analogy, but I like that he said that, but this isn't a movie, this is reality, which is true. And he talked about how it's the future generations that are going to be affected the most and that we need the young people which is also true but um it's the young people have passion and he has the power so uh, both go hand in hand and then he left and that was kind of the end of it and we went on and there was kind of art music dance which was lovely because they were talking about how art plays a part in this which I never really considered before it was a real cultural event and it was it was about cop it was about where the UK is and about young people. So I might meet him again oh, at, at COP, never know. And maybe I can get in a few challenging questions to him and then see see what he says. Well, I, I feel that there's something that all of us should think about is like, what would it make to have someone like you attracted to politics again? Because I think it's a terrible thing if people, given all you're doing, if, because as you're right, you say it's quite a tough environment. So not, it's not about being tough, but it's likely almost you know unbearably 
unpleasant because people can be so threatening and we've got to tackle that quite apart from the climate but maybe we'll get after both in the same place one final question from me rumor has it you're opt- an optimist an optimist i'd say i'm definitely ambitious optimism i feel like you're it's kind of a word that it mightn't happen you're it's too high above or um it's something extravagant but ambitious i truly believe that we can turn this around we have very short time to do it, um, but I truly believe we have we can turn this around. If I was optimistic, I would say we could do it tomorrow. This would all be gone by tomorrow, but that's not going to happen. And that's why I feel I'm more ambitious because I understand the extent to it and how much it's needed. But I also understand we need to do this in a just transition that is going to actually happen. We can't put these um, false promises in people's minds. I'd say I'm more ambitious and optimistic. I love that. I completely love that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Amanda, for talking to me today. And it was really interesting to hear the business perspective on COP and climate. And um, hopefully through action and not words, as we've talked about, we can make these things happen. So thanks. Thank you so much. Gosh, thank you. We're, I, I just absolutely love this love half hour and I could talk to you for the next three. So thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Business in the community is actively working with businesses across the UK to take action on climate. And if your business needs help or has the desire to collaborate, find out more at www.bitc.org.uk.